the book of Isaiah. We're going to be in chapter number 14, and uh, we'll see what the Lord's got for us here in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 14 this morning. And uh, y'all pray for me as we preach, and pray that God would help us. I certainly need Him this morning. I don't want to uh, preach without Him, and I hope you understand what I mean by that. I, uh, uh, I know that once you're saved, you have the Holy Ghost living inside of you. Jesus is with you all the way. Even until the ends of the earth, the Bible says, and it says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. But y'all know we can quench that Holy Spirit, don't you? And uh, by the way that we act, the way that we live, the way that we think. And uh, I, I don't ever want to uh, uh, preach in my own power. And uh, that would make me a powerless preacher, you know it? And so uh, y'all pray for me this morning. Isaiah chapter number 14, if you found... That in your Bible, let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God, Isaiah chapter number 14. Look in verse number 12 this morning, Isaiah chapter 14. The Bible says here in Isaiah 14, verse number 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. You know what Lucifer's problem was? He wanted everything that belonged only to God. Everything that you see in that verse right there, all of the uh, all of the things that he said that he was going to do, it belongs to God and God alone, and it's not for him or anyone else. And uh, that's that's what all those things are. And the Bible goes on to say, in verse fifteen: Yet thou shalt be, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. To the sides of the pit, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? Let's pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I need your help today. Father, thank you for uh, what's already been said. Thank you for the singing, God. And uh, God, I pray that you would just help me for a little while as I preach your word. Father, I can't do it alone. I need you to help, Father. I need your uh, strength and your power this morning, God. I pray, Father, that you would just get me out of the way, Father, and use me as a hollow vessel through which you could speak your word today, Father. I pray that it would go in and out of every heart that is here God, I pray that we would be obedient to your word. I pray that it would strengthen us and encourage us and help us. Father, if there's one here lost, I pray for their salvation today, dear Father. I love you, Father. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Do a work that only you can do today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated this morning. And uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to preach for just a little, bit, a little while this morning on uh, the subject of the reality of Satan, the reality of Satan. And we're going to look at this and look through this passage and other passages in Scripture this morning and uh, preach on the reality of Satan. Now tonight at 6 o'clock, if you'll come back, uh, Lord willing, I'm going to preach a message uh, on if I were Satan. 
And if I were Satan, what would I do? And we're going to look through all of that tonight. Uh, but this morning, we're going to talk about the reality of Satan because, uh, you know, one of the, I started thinking about what I would do if I were Satan. And number one, I would convince the world that I don't exist. And so to get past that, to get on into the, tonight's message, we've got to understand that uh, we have to understand the reality of Satan. Now, in this passage I read to you today out of Isaiah chapter number 12 or Isaiah chapter number 14, Lucifer in this passage is none other than Satan. Lucifer is the name by which Satan was known before his fall. And you know something interesting about the name of the devil. He really does not, I, I don't, I don't I, well, I, don't let this throw you off, but I find it amazing that when you, for instance, uh, Jesus' name, it literally means Savior. The devil's name, though, all of the many names that we have for the devil, we've got the devil, we've got Lucifer, we've got, uh, we've got Satan, and uh, they all correspond to something he does. And that's the way a lot of names work in the Bible. Satan is the, the uh, adversary, and then you've got the devil, which is an accuser or a slanderer, and then Lucifer is the son of the morning. Boy, that's interesting, isn't it? How does the son of the morning go to being a a slanderer or an accuser or a destroyer. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And uh, Lucifer was the name by which Satan was known before his fall. Uh, Satan, at one point in time, was the highest of all created intelligences, standing as, according to Ezekiel chapter 28, verse number 14, as the anointed cherub. And he was, let me just put it this way, at the very top of God's creation. The name Lucifer means light bearer. It means shining one or morning star. And the Bible tells us that Lucifer was a powerful angel. In Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 15, the Bible says this, Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Isn't it amazing that we find that, uh, that, uh, that Satan, as we know him, was once the... He was once at the pinnacle of God's creation. Isn't that an amazing thing? What happened to him, though? Well, we're going to find out. Uh, driven by prideful ambition, his, he thought he could lead a successful revolution against the throne of God. Isn't that amazing? He thought he could. But great was his fall, and he took a lot of angels with him. You know that? And uh, Lucifer, the son of the morning, was like the morning star that fades in the light of dawn. He lost his brilliance. He, he was brought down to the ground and <clears throat> he went from being the highest creature ever created to being the, to being the embodiment uh, of evil and deception. Can you just imagine that? He went from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Why? Because of his pride. Satan is, I want you to know, Satan is real today. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. What is the works of the devil? Well, the devil seeks to kill 
He seeks to steal. He seeks to destroy. And Jesus was manifested. He was born as a little baby in Bethlehem. He grew to an adult. He gave his life because he loved people like us. He sacrificed. He gave his life as a sacrifice to do what? To reverse everything the devil was doing. Devil wants to uh, to kill us. He wants to he wants to destroy us. But yet, God through Jesus Christ wants to save us, give us life eternal, and help us. All of the opposite things that the devil would have for us. Now listen, Satan is real today. This is why we have murderers. This is why we have war. We have crime. We have so much more. And uh, the the spirit that is at work in our society and in our world today is run by none other than Satan himself. And even Jesus was tempted by Satan in Matthew chapter number 4. Isn't that an amazing thing? He went after Jesus even. You'd think you would learn something the first time. But yet that's his thing. He's going to keep fighting. He's going to keep warring until he is put in his place at the end of all time. Now listen to me this morning. Because Christ overcame Satan, that means you and I too can be overcomers. 1 John 4, 4 says this, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We need to understand that today. We need to understand that that uh, the, the Jesus that is living inside of us is greater than Satan. He is victorious over Satan. He's already won the fight. And so this morning I want to take a look at some things concerning the reality of Satan. I want you to notice in this passage we see Satan's pride. Lucifer, I've already mentioned this, uh, was, was number two. He was the height of the pinnacle of God's creation. That meant what, preacher? That meant he was next to God in power. Think about that. He was a beautiful angel, but pride got the best of him, and he thought he could be better than God. Being number two was not good enough for him. He wanted to be number one, and if he couldn't be number one, he wasn't going to be nothing. And so, once Satan began to sin, which was the sin of pride, he, and he began to be infatuated, <coughs> y'all pray for me, and he began to be infatuated by his own splendor, he was infatuated by his own glory, he was infatuated by uh, the wonder of his own person, he then sought violently to overthrow the place of who? God. Isn't that amazing? You know what, you know what Satan was? He was selfish. Lucifer was selfish. He was out for number one. Nobody else. He was going to be the most powerful. He was going to be exalted. It all went to his head. His place of prominence. His his responsibilities in heaven. His uh, uh, everything just went to his head. And in Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 16, God said this, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. And boy, is that ever true. In just one activity, the anointed cherub went from being only good to being only evil. And since that moment, the anointed cherub cast out has never had one good thought. Not one of them. Not one of them. 
It's amazing. You know how the end of the days are going to be. And Jesus himself even said that as the days of Noah were, we were talking about this the other night, me and Nicole was, because we, we had saw some stuff in the, in the paper about, uh, uh, we had saw an article about a couple people that we knew that uh, had gotten arrested for uh, uh, destroying a grave site. And here's what she said to me. She said, I just don't understand that. She said, what are, what are they doing? They go to the microwave, get supper out, they eat it. And then she looks at her husband or her boyfriend and says, hey, baby, I'm bored. You want to go knock over some graves? I mean, you know what I mean? And you know what I said to her? I said, yeah, pretty much. That's how it works. I said, Jesus said in the last days we would be, we would, it would be as it was in Noah's day. When you go back to Noah's day and look at it, it says that the, the, uh, the thoughts... And, and the thoughts of man's heart was evil continuously. They were a selfish people. All they cared about was themselves and what they could do for themselves. And every thought of their heart was evil. You know who that's like? That's like Satan. That's Satan. He went from, uh, he went from, uh, from, not, uh, from being only good to being only evil. And ever since that day, he's never had one good thought in his heart. What a massive transformation that was. He wanted to be like God. And you know what God did? He made him as unlike God as possible. And Satan's desire today is to drag you into doing the same thing he done. He's miserable. And the only pleasure he truly has is dragging people into the same misery. When you hear the phrase "misery loves companies," then you uh, misery loves company. We've all heard that. You ought to think about how Satan wants nothing more than company in his misery. John ten ten tells us the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Look at our text today. Bible says here, how art, the, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? I want you to notice some phrases here in verse number 13 and how we can see Satan's pride in this one verse. Look at what it says. For thou hast said in thine heart. Now, that's, that's an important phrase. That just hit me. <laughs> He said it in his heart. You see, you see it starts on the inside. Pride starts on the inside. There's a lot of us. If you talk to people, if you talk to someone, they're not going to say what they're thinking in their heart out loud. Because I know what it sounds like. But do you know it doesn't matter to God? He knows your heart. You don't have to say it for him to know it. He tells Lucifer here, you've said in your heart. And you know that's something that Jesus did his whole ministry. He looked at them Pharisees. He said, you've said in your heart. You've thought this. You've said this. And they're sitting there like, we ain't said nothing. Well, guess what? Nobody knows you better than God does. That's the truth. And so look at what it says. For thou hast said in thine heart. It don't matter. <laughs> It matters what comes out of your mouth, trust me. Don't misunderstand me. 
But we got a lot of people that walk, that they talk one way and walk the other. We've had that problem for many years on this earth. You know why we got that problem? Because we've got the devil to contend with. And that's the way the devil was. I'm sure he didn't go to God and tell God the plan to overthrow God, did he? He was probably carrying on his duties as the anointed cherub like he always did. I'm sure when he was out here talking to the third of the angels and convincing them that they could all go against God, I'm sure he wasn't doing it openly. God knew. Let me tell you this, and I can't explain it. God knew that Satan was going to do that before Satan did. Because he knows our thoughts. He knows our hearts. He knows all. Look at what Satan's heart said. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. This passage is often referred to as the five I wills of Satan. And the statements here reveal Satan's sinful nature. They reveal his rebellion. They reveal his disobedience, his self-sufficiency, his pride, his self-exaltation, and his all-encompassing pride and arrogance. I will do this. I will do that. He didn't think he needed God for anything. God created. Isn't that like a lot of men today? Isn't that like a lot of people today? They're content somehow in living their lives their own way with no thought of God. That's what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now I know they had sin. I know that we get the term sodomy from the practices that went on in Sodom and Gomorrah. But I'm here to tell you, and there's a lot of preachers that have gotten up and preached an entire message on that right there. But that is not, that is not what the Bible says caused their downfall. You know what the Bible says caused their downfall? They lived their lives with no thought of God. Now let me go ahead and explain why you hear a lot of preaching on why Sodom was taken down because of sodomy. Because I don't think we got any of that going on in the church right here. But we do probably have people sitting here this morning that are living their lives without any thought of God. That hurts. See, the big sins that everybody preaches on and talks about with Sodom and Gomorrah were just side effects of what their downfall truly was. You might not agree with that, but go home and read your Bible. Because the Bible does tell us what their downfall was. And it was living... Their lives with no thought of God whatsoever. All of these other things, as horrible as they were, as horrible as, as Genesis, I mean, I'm telling you, Genesis 19, and some of the things even Lot, the righteous man, did, blows my mind. It's horrible. 
There were horrible things going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. But they were all byproducts of the main problem, which was there was a city there that was completely godless. Yeah. And so mankind today, we see it in America, people are living the exact same way. The things that we see going on in America, all of the headlines, all of the news that makes us blush, all of the news that makes us makes our jaws drop and be like, I can't even believe that. You know what it is. It is a side effect. Yeah. Right. The root problem is this right here. We got a country that set God on the back burner a long time ago. And when you depart from God, hey, I'm going to tell you something. God has not forsaken America. America has forsaken God. God didn't forsake Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know why I got it. I, I just, I ain't, even, I ain't even preaching my message. It happens sometimes. God didn't forsake Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at all of the look at all of the all of the pleading that Abraham uh, uh, all of the pleading that Abraham did with God and God finally after everything he said find me one find me ten find me five find me fifty and I'll spare them. There were no righteous there. There was there was lot. Mm. Here's the thing, y'all. Our society's going the same way. For Satan, it was all about him and nothing about God. That's what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what's happening to America today. John Milton, in his epic poem, Paradise Lost, he expounded on the sinful nature of Satan's heart. And... Although not biblical words, Milton certainly describes Satan's intent and desire when he said this. He quotes Satan as saying in this poem, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. That was his attitude. And you know what's sad about that? Sadly, many people today have the same mentality. I've heard it straight. I mean, I've heard it with my own ears. People say, I'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. It's the same mentality the devil has. Pride was Satan's downfall. And you know what? It'll be yours too if you don't get it in check. Every sin, it's amazing. No matter what the sin is, it can be traced back to pride. He gets traced back to pride. So that's Satan's pride. Look at Satan. Let's look at Satan's power. I'm going to have to rush through this. I done preached two messages this morning. Satan's power. Satan's power. You know he is powerful. I'll talk some more about this tonight, talking about what I would do if I were Satan. But, you know, uh, I see these people on YouTube and these people preaching and they, they talk about binding Satan. They go, Satan, you are bound. I'm like, you are a moron. You know why? Because Satan's powerful. We ain't no match for Satan. 
I'm telling you, sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you, I feel like sometimes when I get up here on cloud nine and I'm preaching or, or the God's glory just falls down, I feel like I could charge hell with a squirt gun. But let me tell you something, it can't. I'm not going to. I can't. I might feel like I can, but I can't. I just got one thing to say for people that think they can bind Satan with their, with their voice. Read over in Jude, verse number nine, if the archangel Michael's not going to fight against him, who are we? Just throwing it out there. He's powerful. And the only thing that we can come against him with is Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, we have no power. We got people out here uh, exercising people. They got, they, got, uh, they got paranormal stuff going in houses and, and commanding Satan to, to leave and commanding demons to get out. They're crazy. Without the power of God, we are no match for Satan. You can, you can tell him all you want, but I, I mean, I, I, I like just as much as the next person to remind him of his future when he tries to bring up something on me. But listen to me. Let me give you what Satan's power is. I've got to hurry up. He comes as an angel of light, the Bible says. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11, 14 and 15, it says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. That's an important verse. You know who he uses a lot of times? He uses men and women as angels of lights, just like him. Let me just put it this way. He's not coming after you with a pitchfork and, and a pointed tail and horns. Depending on the situation, I heard a preacher say, I heard a preacher say one night that, that uh, you want to know what the devil looks like? He looks like whatever you think the most beautiful thing is. I, I, I ain't going to say much about this, but I, I, read, I read one man one night in an article who said the devil looked like a blonde in a blue dress. Yeah. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. I ain't being ugly either. I'm just saying. The devil comes in many forms, and whatever form he comes to you in, you ain't going to know it's him. Right. Right. Unless you got some discernment about you. The Bible tells us what to look for. The Bible tells us about him. He tells him right here. Tells us right here. He he comes as an angel of light, so that shouldn't surprise us. He also comes as a roaring lion, the Bible says. And that's where we're going to take the message tonight from. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The lion don't run out and say, Hey, boys, I'm here for lunch. He plans things. He watches things. We talked about this some in the past couple messages. He's going to look for you and He's going to watch you from the sidelines until you let your guard down and then He's going to strike. He comes as a cunning snake. When the Bible says in Genesis 3, how did He come to Eve? It said, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Yeah. He was cunning. Yeah. He blinds people to the truth. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is, in, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 
Literally, he blinds people to the truth. He sets traps before people. 1 Timothy 3, 7 tells us, Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and a snare of the devil. That word snare is a trap. He produces miracles. Oh man, when we was going through the book of Revelation last year, and, and uh, when we were going through all of that, we, we talked a whole lot about how the Antichrist is performing miracles. The devil performs miracles. You better watch out. We got a whole bunch of people in a church and going to churches this morning just because their preacher supposedly can perform miracles and heal them on the spot. You better watch out. I'll go ahead and tell you who that is. It's the devil. I'll always say that. And I'd love to talk to one of them if they'd ever talk to me. Because here's what I'd ask them. Why do we have hospitals if you can do what you say you can do? Why is there babies down in Brenner's if you can really do what you do? It's the truth. You know, the answer to that is because they can't do what they tell people they can do. But I want you to know that Satan does and can perform and produce miracles. 2 Thessalonians 2 9 says, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Always remember, and, and I don't hear it a whole lot, but there in, in Genesis and Exodus, when, when Moses goes in and uh, you know, you know, God tells him to he, he turns his staff into a snake and then back into a sna- staff, and he, uh, he talks about different things. Do y'all recall, do y'all remember that every time he went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh had his magicians that could do the same thing? Right. We need to remember that. You know what that you know I'm just telling you for everything God has Satan has a counterfeit he is deceitful and he's a whole lot smarter than we are He afflicts people Job chapter 1 verse 12 tells us that and the Lord said unto Satan behold all thee all that he hath is in thy power only upon himself put not forth thy hand so Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord Satan oppresses he depresses he even possesses people I wish I had time to get into all this that's why we're coming back tonight he brings sickness to people Job, again, perfect example of that. He opposes the righteous. In Zechariah chapter 3, the Bible says, And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Let me go ahead and tell you people, anytime you're going to do something for God, Satan is going to be there to resist it. Yeah. You need to understand this morning that Satan is against any and all Christians. He does have power. And the only thing that will keep us from falling into one of his traps is a close relationship with God. And so we see Satan's pride. We see Satan's power. But what about his person? Let me tell you about his person real quick. Number one, the Bible tells us that he's a murderer. John 8, 44. Year of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father... You will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And then that verse goes on to say that he's not only a murderer, but he's a liar. It says, and he abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. It's amazing. He's a liar, yet so many people listen to him and follow him. 
He's a deceiver, the Bible says. For there shall arise in Matthew 24, the Bible says, for there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Don't forget, that verse right there is talking about how Satan uses many men to do his dirty work. Y'all know right now the nation of Israel is in talk to somebody that they believe is their Messiah. That's pretty crazy. Because you know who they think there's... <laughs> you know who they think is going to be their Messiah, right? It's actually the Antichrist. Their Messiah is seated at the right hand of God the Father this morning. Making intercession for those who are His children. But the devil today has many false Christ. He has false prophets. He's going to show great signs and wonders. Look at that. In so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. If it were possible. Let me tell you what that means. Let's just, let me just go ahead and make everybody nervous, okay? No, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> but you know what that means? It means that he is so deceptive that if it were possible, he would even deceive those who know the truth. I'm glad it's not possible, right? I mean, look, think about that. It says that if it were possible, that means it's not possible. But he's so good. That's why it's so important. Y'all hear it preached all the time. Y'all hear me talk about it all the time. That's why it's so important that you got something in here and not just up here. Hey, the Bible, hey, the devil believes and he trembles. We got a lot of people walking around. You want to know how people get deceived? You want to know how people have churches that are in deception? You want to know how all that happens? It's because they got it up here, but it's not in here. And honey, let me tell you, if all you got it is up in your head this morning, you can be deceived by the devil. You can be deceived by his false prophets. You can be deceived by his false Christ. He's an accuser. He's an accuser. I've already talked about that this morning. He's a hinderer. Yeah, in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, like I was telling you about just a minute ago, at the right hand of Joshua to hinder him. Hey, 1 Thessalonians 2.18 tells us that uh, Paul is writing here. He says, wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Satan always works to hinder God's work. Let me end on a high note. Because i got to end. Look back at where we began today in Isaiah 14. Let's talk about Satan's punishment real quick. Look at what it says in verse number 15. So, yes, Satan is all of these things. Satan does have power. Satan is full of pride and he tries to make men like him. And you know what our purpose in life is today? It's to be like Christ so that we can bring glory to God, our Creator. So what's Satan trying to do? He's trying to make everybody like Him. Like I said at the beginning of the message, in trying to become like God, He was transformed into a being that is as far from God as possible. 
He's everything God is not. And so look at what's going to happen to him. Verse number 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? Verse 15 tells us here that Satan will be destroyed in hell. That's his final destination. He will be destroyed. In verses 16 and 17, the Bible tells us that Satan will be mocked in hell. You know, people get this, uh, people, and I said it a while ago, quoting Milton's uh, Paradise Lost, but do you know that Satan is not even a ruler of his own house? The devil, I mean, hell was made for the devil and his angels. But people have this misconception that he rules that domain, but he doesn't. God is sovereign. God rules all. It's not Star Wars this morning, okay? I know as far as me and the devil, yes, we are fighting. As far as you children of God and the devil, yes, he is seeking to hinder us, to trip us up, to snare us. He is a pain in our side. But he is ruled by God. You remember what I quoted back in Job? And when you study the book of Job, you find out that the devil is nothing but a dog with a collar and a leash. And that leash, on the other end of that leash, is God's hand. He had to ask for God's permission before he could do anything to Job. That ought to tell us something. It's not Star Wars. It's not a battle of good and evil. It's not God is the ruler of heaven and Satan is the ruler of hell and the earth is stuck in between some, uh, some battle here. It's not. God is sovereign over all. The devil doesn't even have the keys to his own home. The angel does. One of the angels down there underneath the Euphrates River. Yeah. Or, yes, an angel. I'm sorry. No, not under the... Let me go back. Y'all forget I said that. That wasn't right. All right? There's an angel that has the key to the bottomless pit, not Satan. And so... Here's the thing. Notice the mocking in verse number 16. Look at what they call him. Isn't this interesting? Verse number 16, the man is what they call him. That was once the most glorious angel ever created is now mocked as the man. Notice the taunts. The people that see Satan at the end of it all will say, Hey man, where's your power to impress mankind? Where's your power to imperil mankind? Where is your power to imprison mankind now? You see what the devil's going to be doing in hell is the same thing that all those who are dragged there with him will be doing. They'll be in torment. They'll be in pain for eternity. But they're going to mock him. It's interesting. Revelation 20 verse 10 says this, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. 
The Bible tells us Satan's final destination is the bottomless pit. He'll be, he will be punished for his crimes. He will be destroyed. So many times we think, man, I just can't catch a break. The devil's just, you know what? There's coming a day that he won't bother us no more. There's coming a day he will deceive his last person. There's coming a day that he will hinder us no more. And it'll be the day at the end of it all when that angel comes down and unlocks the door to his house and he gets thrown into the bottomless pit. He's going to get punished for his crimes. He is going to be destroyed. In 2 in Second Thessalonians 2, 8, the Bible says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Y'all notice something interesting? You know, in the Bible, it all started with God's voice. Do you know it ends with God's voice? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? God spoke everything into existence except for mankind. He kneeled down. He got that dirt. And he breathed into it the breath of life. Yeah. Told my kids, I said, there's something really important you need to understand from that. You know why God breathed the breath of life into man? Because the Bible He spoke everything else into existence. And those things don't have souls, but man has a soul. And that soul at the end of all time is going to spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. What makes the difference is what you do with Jesus Christ. Here's the conclusion of the matter this morning, all right? We can overcome Satan, but we have to overcome him God's way. Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. James 4, 7 says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Ephesians 4, 27 says, Neither give place to the devil. I always remember, according to 1 Peter 1, 5, all of God's power is available to help us live an overcoming life. It says, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I can't keep myself saved. I couldn't save myself in the beginning. If salvation were in my hands, I would have done lost it 482,000 times. I'm glad the Bible tells me that I'm not responsible for my salvation. Don't get me wrong. God in His love gave us free will. You can accept Him or reject Him. But let me tell you something. The Bible says who are kept by not my good deeds, but by the power of God. It's the power of God that saves you. It is the power of God that keeps you. And it is the power of God that will take us home one day. I've read the end of the book. We won. We just got to remember that when we're living this life, all right? Let's stand and bow our heads and close our eyes. The devil is real. He's powerful. And he's out to get you. The only hope we have is Jesus Christ this morning. 
Jesus Christ is the difference between being saved and being lost. To having a destination that the devil has or the destination of all of God's people in heaven. Which is it for you this morning? Are you truly saved? Or have you been deceived? So one verse that always bothers me, it always has and it always will, is there in Matthew chapter 7, where we read of all of those people looking up to Jesus on Judgment Day and saying, we cast out devils in your name. We healed in your name. We did all of these wonderful works in your name. Yet he's going to look at them and say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. He tells them all of those works were done in sin. And he doesn't know who they are because their names are not written in the book of life. You know what happened to those people? They had something in their head. And they were deceived by the devil. Do you make sure it's actually in your heart today? Are you truly saved? Do you have that Holy Spirit inside of you? This altar's open. If you need to pray this morning, please come.